Welcome to the Informed Pregnancy and Parenting Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Ellie Berlin, and today we're joined by my friend and colleague. She's a chiropractor and craniosacral therapist with a passion for working with pregnancy, postpartum, and children of all ages, starting with newborns. She's a member of the International Chiropractic Pediatric Association and certified in the Webster Technique. As a President's Leadership Award recipient, she's determined to spread her passion for women's body empowerment and how chiropractic care is a staple of that mission. Dr. Erica Smith, welcome to the podcast. Hello, hello, and thank you for having me. Oh, goodness. It's amazing to have you here and to work with you Yeah, all the time. You have a great energy and a great passion for what you do, which I do too, And but you look like you're having fun doing it. All the time, <laughs> from beginning to end. Tired sometimes. Yeah, it's, it can be a lot of work, but um, it's kind of amazing. A lot of people don't get to enjoy what they do, and you really yeah. enjoy it, so yeah. that's really cool. How'd you get started in this field? Chiropractic specifically, I had no idea I was ever going to be a chiropractor. I'm, I was on the path to be a medical doctor. Oh, me too. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and when I did my internship at um, Riverside Community Hospital, I was doing my undergrad at UC Riverside, and I realized how much I disliked the hospital. Um, I prefer being outdoors. I preferred having like a longer conversation with all of my patients instead mm-hmm. of, you know, the limited amount of time that we did have with our patients. And I said, you know what, this is not for me. Um, what's something else that I can do while working with my hands? Um, speaking with people and then also working with pregnant women. Like, what can, like, uh, like complement me with that? And that's how I came across chiropractic. But that means because you want you pursued medicine, so you wanted to be in healthcare from sort of early on. Yes. Since six years old, I knew I wanted Whoa. to be a doctor. Yeah. My mom, she gave me this Barbie doll, and it had the ability to, like, change her clothes. And one of them was, like, a pregnant stomach, and you stick the baby on the inside. What? And so since then, I was fascinated. I was like, you know what? One day I'm going to be, like, the baby deliverer doctor. No kidding. Yeah. So yeah. not just – so from a young age of six, not just interested in healthcare, but medicine in particular and obstetrics. Mm-hmm. And then – you pursued that to the point where you got into hospitals mm-hmm. and then realized, oh, I, I like the birthy thing, but not here. Not here. Yeah, exactly. Oh, so what did you do next? So after I completed my undergrad, I became an EMT. Oh, so I did emergency medicine. We're yeah. like the same person. <laughs> People can hardly version. tell us apart. Yeah. yeah. I did a EMT work for about three months or so. Three months? That's not a very big... No. And I realized how taxing it is, like, on my body. Even the training is longer than Even the hours. training. So is that like a year's training? Or? Well, I actually did it through um, UCLA, and they had an accelerated course. Of course, you did faster. So, mm-hmm. All right, mine was um, uh, not, not a full-time training, but it took a year. Oh, no, mine was four weeks. Oh, wow. Every day, nine to six. Wow, so really? So it was so really, I... really, really intense. That's a lot of um, data, even, and technical skill. Yeah. To pick up in that short period yeah. of time. Yeah. <laughs> and then you go from there straight into the ambulance? Yeah. Straight wow. after. Yeah. Okay. So after I did. Do you like the thrill of it? Were you doing emergency yeah, or it, transport? It was, yeah. I was in McCormick Ambulance, actually. And I enjoyed the adrenaline. Spices. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the seasoning salt. It's yeah. pretty Can good. Can I get a lights and sirens on my uh, granulated garlic? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, I, I mean, like, I did enjoy the adrenaline and having no idea what I would like what I would walk into was 
kind of like inspiring to me, like how am I going to solve this puzzle? But then after a while, it wasn't feeding like my true passion. Mm -hmm. So I just decided, you know what, I'm going to go back to school. And my dad is actually the one who talked to me about being a chiropractor. He had thrown his back out and he went to a chiropractor and was able to walk back out of that office that day. Whoa. And so seeing that experience, I was like, you know, there's got to be something to this. So I checked it out, did my research, and then that's how I got into chiropractic. So what, what kind of research, just out of curiosity? Oh, so I actually was like, how is chiropractic helpful with pregnancy? Oh, so you wanted um, to tie it back to mm-hmm, your passion for... Mm-hmm, to see if that was even worth my time of discovering because I knew from a long time ago that obstetrics, pregnancy, women's health care was like my true passion. Yeah. And so that's how I came upon it. And then even your name popped up. Really? <laughs> yeah, your name popped up. So you me, me and pregnancy Barbie were always together. <laughs> yeah, you guys are like two in the one. <laughs> um and so when I saw your name I actually had you on my radar before starting chiropractic. No school. kidding. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, you're kinda like Oh. Like an inspiration to well, me. It goes both ways. Thank you. Thank you. So you realized, I guess, from finding that, that you can you can do chiropractic and then cater to pregnant women. Pregnant women, correct. Oh, very cool. Yeah. Where'd you go to chiropractic school? Los Angeles College of Chiropractic. Well, on the long term of the school, Southern California University of Health Sciences. All right. Because mm-hmm. uh, now there's more than chiropractic going on there. Yeah. They have a peer program, acupuncture, um, Ayurvedic medicine. Did you do any of their other programs? I attempted a neurology class because I wanted to see if I can do acupuncture. Total different world. Yeah. I have so much respect for it, but not for me. Yeah, yeah. I felt the same way. I love it, and I, I go to the acupuncturist. Yeah. <laughs> and we have acupuncture in the office, but it's um, there are totally different skill sets, I think. Oh, and, absolutely. And it's just like interest, interest sets. Different side of the brain. It's like, do what you learn on me, though. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, how was chiropractic training for you? Chiropractic school was the hardest yet most rewarding thing I've ever done in my entire life. I had no idea the content and how rigorous the coursework would be. I mean, it was like a wash, rinse, repeat cycle. Every day, I'd probably be up at 6 a.m., wouldn't go to bed about until 2 a.m. or so, and repeat it. And there were times where we didn't have... Because you were... I mean, there's long hours of lecture. Of lecture. But then there's a lot of reading to do afterwards. Reading, studying. And then we also had class on the weekend. So there was a period... Wow. How long was your program? Was was that accelerated too? No, it was three and a half years or so. Uh Um, But there was a point I was going to school for like 64 days straight. Wow. Yeah. So did you take off summers or you went straight through the summer? We had breaks in between. Um, Like little breaks? The longest amount we had was two weeks. Yeah, that's so you went, okay. Yeah, so at the end we were pretty much burnt out. (laughs) And you have to take boards. And have to take boards and pass those. Mm -hmm. Can't just take it. (laughs) Although taking it is rigorous by itself. Very much so. Um, During your training, because when I went to chiropractic school there was very little prenatal training. Mm -hmm. During your training, did you have exposure to pregnancy and pediatrics? Yeah, so I can name drop, right? Well, sure, whatever. Okay, so Dr. Rochelle Neely was our pediatric chiropractor instructor. She was the one who initially exposed all of us to pediatric care. And then there's also Dr. Stein, who took pediatric care into more of a, I guess, specific realm. Um, So like talking about infants 
and then like one to three years old, and then four to 10, and then just broke up each age group. And that was pretty much the amount of exposure we had, and it was up to us to uh, pursue like higher education about it. So that's why I got involved with ICPA. ICPA is the International Chiropractic Pediatric Association. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So everything you mentioned was just really pediatric. Mm-hmm. Was there pregnancy courses? Yeah. So with the pediatric, they'd always start with the beginning of the life, which was the pregnancy. And so they would talk about you know the stages of development, um, how the body would change, and how that applies to chiropractic. And then we'll talk about pediatric once they were born. Okay. So did they give you also like diagnostic and therapeutic tools for chiropractic during pregnancy? Yes. Okay. So yeah, yeah we didn't have any of that. We oh, wow. very low. All we had mostly was like, don't do this, don't touch that, don't go over there. Right. You know, no pressure <laughs> the on. Do's. Yeah. It was a lot of don't. It wasn't like, well, what can we do? What can, how can we help? You know? Nothing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Don't get sued. Um, and sadly, that's what happens with a lot of healthcare fields. It just becomes a lot of um, liability protection, mm-hmm. you know, defensive medicine. Mm-hmm. Uh, you did ICPA then. Mm-hmm. They have a lot of workshops. Do you do some of their workshops? Yeah. So they have the option for you to pursue a diplomate into it. Um, it's totally up to you how far you want to go down that rabbit hole. Um, I've taken eight courses of the 14 to oh, have wow. your diplomate. And so I'm just waiting for some more time for myself and to dedicate to studying to continue it on. Eight more courses. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what kind of... Um, because that's above and beyond. That's stuff that you don't really get in chiropractic school. So what kind of things do you pick up in those? Yeah. Um, so one of my favorite courses, it was talking about like the neurological part, um, just through their gestational period, like what is going on functionally in For the brain. For the baby? For the baby. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And so getting a deeper and an in-depth understanding and seeing a woman who's caring or with child, it, it just truly like blows your mind. You can have a, a deeper relationship with that woman and just have the, the thorough understanding of what's going on with her. And you did Webster Technique. Mm-hmm. What is that? So Webster's Technique was created by Dr. Larry Webster, um, and he developed this theory that if the sacrum, or the tailbone rather, uh, if it's ever subluxated or misaligned, it can cause the pelvis to be a little bit not performing to its best ability. Yeah, so the idea is... So the sacrum has the ability to move forward and backwards, right? Mm-hmm. And so you want the sacrum to be in the more backwards position or called counter nutation. Um, and that allows the pelvic inlet to be at its widest capacity. Mm-hmm. And as a woman goes through delivery, you want the, the sacrum to be able to move properly. So as the baby starts to descend, you want the sacrum to go in a more forward fashion or nutation, and that opens up the pelvic outlet. But if it's restricted. But if it's restricted, the whole pelvis can't really move to the best capacity that it can. And also, like, the ligaments attached to the sacrum and to the pelvis can cause some constriction, too. Right. So he was about improving function. Improving function, correct. Of the pelvis through restoration of lost motion at the sacrum, the foundation of the spine. Mm-hmm. But then also those ligaments, making sure the ligaments, because these particular ligaments have muscle fibers in them. Right. So they, unlike other ligaments, ligaments are stabilizers. Other ligaments in the body hold, let's say, two bones together from moving too far apart from each other. But these ligaments have to anchor the uterus into the pelvis, but they also need to allow it to grow much yeah. bigger than it really is. So how do you allow something to stretch and grow, but at the same time prevent it, it from swinging around? So 
you know, you put some muscle fibers in there and then it can grow. But if there's a rapid movement, then they'll start to tense up and like Mm -hmm. a breaking mechanism prevent too much movement and protect the womb. But they can stay tight and they can be too restrictive and you can release them. And yeah. And like the whole idea, too, you want to prevent um, that woman going through like dystocia. Um, so this whole technique can really just help with that. Absolutely. Improve function. Mm-hmm. Um, you're also a doula. Mm-hmm. I mean, it kind of makes sense that you would have ended up being a doula, but there's not too many chiropractors who are doulas. <laughs> besides um, you. <laughs> besides me. Um I mean, there's some. There's, I guess, more and more and around here especially. But did you always think you were going to continue down that path as well? Or how did that come to yeah, be Yeah, I you? think so. Um, I did my daily training with Atisa Benji, and she is one of the most phenomenal and knowledgeable women I've ever met in my entire life. So becoming a doula, I really wanted to understand what a woman is going through. I don't have kids myself, mm-hmm. so I don't really understand or get the process on a personal level. Right. But just being able to observe and see women go through that, I think it was very important to me, especially as a prenatal chiropractor, to know what they're about to progress to. Mm-hmm. I didn't want to stop my conversation with them like, well, good luck, have your baby, and you know, leave them there. I wanted to be a part of that journey as well. So now that you have doula training and you're getting your toes wet in more of the actual birth Mm -hmm. component, um, does that affect your relationship with your prenatal chiropractic clients as they're getting closer to labor and delivery? I think it does. I think I'm able to connect with them on a deeper or less superficial level. Um, I find that women are able to open up to me a little bit more about their worries, what they might go through, what they're scared about, what they're anxious about. Whereas before I didn't have the doula training, I wasn't aware of like the different processes that they might go through, or even emotionally. Mm-hmm. And I thought it was very important to nurture that side, um, to really get into that side of the doula training. In working with pregnancy, because you don't have kids yet at this moment, at the, time of, at the time of this recording, um, <laughs> Does working with people who are are pregnant, going to labor and delivery, coming back, does that make you more excited or more anxious about having kids? I think a little bit of both. You definitely hear their stories where they're in constant pain all the time. During pregnancy? During pregnancy. Until they meet you. Until they meet, <laughs> <laughs> until they meet me. And I mean, in, in, that, in that aspect, it's kind of nerve-wracking, like, oh, I don't want to be in pain all the time or always being feeling nauseated. But on the other end of the spectrum, the amount of gratefulness and gratitude they have to get to go through that experience makes me excited as a woman to have my own family one day. Oh, that's yeah. really cool. Um, all right. I want to talk to you about, because you're also a craniosacral therapist. Mm-hmm. I feel like as as this episode goes on, it's like, but you're also. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Don't order yet. <laughs> She can do your taxes. Uh, I really can. What? I really can. I have a lot of accounting experience. Oh, you're kidding. Okay, so <laughs> there goes my joke. So, <laughs> um, but you're also a craniosacral therapist, and mm-hmm. I, you know, craniosacral is something that I think a lot of people don't know much about, mm-hmm. and it looks to be when I have it done to me, I pass out and. I have to be woken up yeah. <laughs> afterwards. And then I feel like I've slept good, solid sleep for like three nights. Nice. It's very nice. powerful. And the whole thing is like 
there's not that much really going on yeah, um, mechanically. Yeah, is a nice side effect. <laughs> yeah, and for babies, it seems even more powerful. And you yeah. work with a lot of infants and newborns and babies. Um, so we're going to take a little break, but when we come back, I want to learn about cranial psychotherapy in general, what it is, mm-hmm. um, and then for kids in particular, how you use cranial psychotherapy and chiropractic for that first couple of years of life. Sounds good. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back with Dr. Erica. (laughs) Hey, everyone. It's Dr. Berlin, and I want to talk to you about something that is close to my heart, literally. Omega-3. It's a crucial nutrient that's sadly overlooked. With 95% of women deficient, Needed, the supplement brand I trust, created their brand new Omega-3 Soft Gels. Designed by perinatal experts, they support you and your baby's well-being from fertility to pregnancy and beyond. Unlike other brands, Needed's Omega-3 is sustainable, pesticide-free, and third-party tested for purity. Plus, my favorite, it has a milder taste and smell, perfect for sensitive mamas. Don't wait. Visit thisisneeded.com and use code BERLIN to get 20% off your initial order. Experience the needed difference, consciously crafted for your health and the planet. Welcome back to the Informed Pregnancy Podcast. We're talking to Dr. Erica Smith. Let's talk craniosacral therapy. What the heck is that? <laughs> that was a nice intro. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's what people say when they call. Yeah. <laughs> but they'll say, my friend said they got amazing results with craniosacral therapy. What the heck is that? And I'm like, okay, well. Well, here it is. So <laughs> craniosacral therapy is this awesome new alternative modality that I accidentally stumbled upon. Um, it was created by uh, Dr. Jonathan Upledger, Dr. Mm-hmm. John Upledger. Um, he's the actual person who coined it. And how he found out about this cranial sacrum rhythm, if you will, was actually really fascinating. So he had to assist in a surgery, and his sole job was to hold part of the dura mater completely still. And as he's holding it, he can see this rhythmic wave. And as much as he's trying to hold it still, there is still this rhythm and pattern going on. And it was very different from a heartbeat or like respiration. What is dura mater? So dura mater is this soft, or it's actually really hard, this membrane that covers our entire brain, and it actually protects our spinal cord. So it covers the central nervous system. Mm-hmm. And they were doing this an open... Yeah, there is some type of calcium deposit in this guy's spinal cord. And Ooh. yeah, his only job was to hold it, and he, he came upon hold this the rhythm. Mm-hmm. Okay. And um, what did he make out of that, that rhythm in the dura mater? Yeah, so he actually started a research, um, and he wanted to see what is this rhythm? How, how is it even happening? What they found through this microscope was that there's a lot of nerve fibers, collagen, blood vessels within the cranial bones because they're trying to figure out if cranial bones can actually move. So this dura mater that I was previously talking about is actually attached to our cranial bones. And then that way they were able to determine that cranial bones do have the ability to move. They can move. move. Not mm-hmm. a whole lot because yeah. they're fairly sutured together in adults. Fully, fully sutured as you get older. But as an infant, it's like Play-Doh. Yeah. It's pretty much like Play-Doh. And so the idea is is that there's cerebral spinal fluid in our brain and throughout the entirety of our spinal cord. And if 
the structure of our brain is somehow altered, like from the dura mater or what have you, it could cause a dysfunction in the rest of the body. Mm-hmm. Well, the central nervous system, the brain and spinal cord control everything that takes place in the body, right? Right. So if you have dysfunction of a type of dysfunction that irritates, let's say, the central nervous system or a portion of the central nervous system, whatever areas of function that that part of the central nervous system handles mm-hmm. is going to potentially be at risk for dysfunction. Right. So, um, so it could be anything. And how does cranio so is craniosacral therapy a, a diagnostic tool to figure out where those sources of dysfunction are coming from? Is it a therapeutic tool? Yeah, it can definitely be both. Um, it could be emotional and it can absolutely be physical. So let's say when you're five years old, you take a big fall. You have like this big knot on your knee or whatever. When you get 10 years old, you have another fall, you fall on your bum, and then you have like this injury in your bum area, right? Mm -hmm. As you get older and you progress, like you have like this hip pain, like what is happening? So craniosacral therapy really addresses more of the fascia and the tension that goes throughout your body. So who is one to tell if that injury from when you were five years old is contributing to the hip pain that you're experiencing now? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so it's pretty cool how your body is able to hold this type of tension and cranial sacral therapy can absolutely address that. What is the, mechanically what happens? What are you doing that is giving you information or what are you doing that is therapeutically creating a change? So the rhythm that I was talking about earlier, there are different listening stations throughout our body. And I personally like to start with the feet. Listening for that rhythm? Listening for that rhythm. So you can feel it all the way down So in you the can feet? feel it, yep. You oh, can wow. feel it everywhere. And what you're feeling for is symmetry, um, the same type of amplitude, the same rhythm on one side of the body compared to the other. So if there's ever a dysfunction or a difference in that, that's where you know, okay, something is going on in here. So you start to hone in on more of that fascial tension there. Do you feel it the same in adults and kids? No. Kids have a very – their rhythm is very, very minute and a lot faster than an adult. Oh, just like a heart rate. Yeah. Yeah. No kidding. Okay. So, but you can feel it in both, mm-hmm. in adults and kids. Mm-hmm. And so that that might tell you if you feel an imbalance, an asymmetry from right to left, that Correct. something's off. Does that generally mean the slower pulsation is the problem side, or could it be that the other one's too fast? So in an adult, if you experience like one side is more rapid than the other, so the, the lagging side would be the problematic mm-hmm. area. And in kids, it's different? And in kids, it's about the same. But you're feeling for a much faster, more fluid rhythm than an adult. In an adult, there's a lot more pauses. What are some of the other listening stations besides the feet? So you go from like your feet um, up into your knees, the thighs, uh, the pelvis. There is a pelvic diaphragm that you're listening to. Um, There's a thoracic inlet that you're listening to up into the hyoid and at the very back of your occiput or the back of your head. You're listening with your hands? You're listening with your hands with five grams of pressure. So it's very, 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 very light. Why does it make me fall asleep so so deeply? I Do other people have that reaction? I, when, I, when I have it done on me, I actually wake up with a jolt because I didn't realize I had fallen asleep. Right. And it's so it feels so deep. when. Yeah. When they come out of it, I'm like, wow, I want to go right back there soon. 
Yeah, I actually joke with my patients. Like, it may feel like I'm doing absolutely nothing, but trust me that I am. <laughs> yeah. Is it hard to, to get a feel for it, to get used to finding that rhythm in all those different places? I'm pretty sure everybody can attest, those who are training for cranial sacral, like, you feel the rhythm. Like, what rhythm? I must be imagining this. So it definitely takes practice, just mm-hmm. like chiropractic. <laughs> yeah. All, all new technical skills take some time to learn. Yeah. But this one's subtle. Yeah, It sounds like you have to really, like, relax your own, I don't know, your own energy to just be able to feel what's going on. And I'm glad you said that because you have to lose more of yourself when you're doing a session like this because you need to become very in tune with their body and what it's trying to tell you. Mm-hmm. Um, so for me personally, I like to ground myself. I just take a couple seconds, um, do a few deep breathings, and just really center myself to remove my thoughts, my feelings, because I don't want to transfer that energy to them or absorb any of what they're giving to me. Oh, right. Me. Yeah, shield mm-hmm. up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Getting ready for war. <laughs> when, when you find those um, imbalances, right, what can you do to balance them out? So you want to maintain that pressure wherever that you feel that the imbalance. Five grams? Mm-hmm. Five grams. On no both sides? On both sides, correct. So there's a slower side and a faster side, and you're still applying the same pressure to both sides? Yes. So what you're doing is when the faster side has reached the end of its barrier, you just want to hold it and wait for the other side to catch up. Oh, I see. Then release it to see if that rhythm is restored. So when you restore, let's say, the rhythm in the feet, mm-hmm. will that also start to restore in the other listening points, or does each one have to kind of get it done? Everyone is pretty different. Um, it can translate like that for you, but not like that for me. I see. Yeah. Um, and then you do it on newborns. Mm-hmm. What kind of things do parents of babies seek out craniosacrotherapy for? For sure, after tongue ties is a big one. Um, they would want cranial psychotherapy for. Ooh, so we have a whole episode on tongue tie and lip tie with Dr. Chelsea Pinto. Yeah. I strongly recommend it because a lot of times newborns have tongue tie and lip tie. Mm-hmm. Um, if they have tongue tie and lip tie, they go undiagnosed for a long time. Mm-hmm. And it can be really challenging, especially with feeding. Um, it can be really challenging for the baby and parents. And once you find it, if that's what it is, you can treat it. She does a laser treatment for it, laser phrenectomy. But um, then what do you do after that? Same thing? Are you looking for the Yeah, pretty much the same thing. I'm very, very technical and logical. And so I always want to go back to the very basics of the anatomy of the child. Mm -hmm. And being a chiropractor, too, it's really important. Or it's also very awesome to just have this knowledge of anatomy from the chiropractic standpoint so you understand cranial sacral in a very different light right um so i'm very big on like fascial trains and so if that child does have tongue tie or let's say that they don't i'm always looking at their hyoid and the muscles of their of their mouth to see if there are any fascial restrictions with that and using cranial sacral to help release that tension mm-hmm. yeah so that same like gentle pressure same gentle pressure um, but usually you want to glove up, use some like sugar water or even like milk t- and stick like your baby finger in their mouth to kind of feel like that sucking reflex mm-hmm. and see if there's any difficulties with that. Okay. Yeah. That's part of the diagnostic side. Yeah. Yeah. So you're feeling their upper part of their palate and seeing if that has that rhythm that you're looking for. Oh, so wow. it's very subtle. So while your finger is in their mouth, the other hand is on top of their cranium, making sure that those are in balance. 
Incredible. Yeah. Um, so there's tongue tie and lip tie. Because mm-hmm. I, I, I both see and hear your babies coming in all day long <laughs> at the office. Uh, some crying, some very joyful. <laughs> some come in crying and leave very joyful. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, but even if they're, sometimes they're just making happy noises. And But I'll, I'll be working on a pregnant one. I'm like, wait a second, I think I hear your baby. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what other things do people bring in babies for? Uh, torticollis is a big one. So the head is kind of cocked off head to the side like the baby's the about to eat a taco. Yeah. I mean, I guess not a bad way to eat a taco. But no, but not, <laughs> not at two months old. <laughs> yeah, not at two months old at all. But torticollis is a big one. Um, just general function of them not using their arms or their feet equally mm-hmm. um, would raise a concern that maybe craniosacral or even chiropractic could be beneficial. Mm-hmm. What about, because you're working on the central nervous system, both with chiropractic and craniosychotherapy, so mm-hmm. um, signs of irritable central nervous system, like a lot of fussiness or digestive irritability. Yeah. Do your babies respond well to that? Absolutely. I think sometimes it happens right there on the table. Yeah, that's the coolest. It's so cool. And even when their moms are able to relate or experience what you just did, they're like, oh my gosh, I you have magical hands. Like, yeah. that's my favorite term. <laughs> it's really profound sometimes. Like, now that we have you, we're very blessed to have you, and Dr. Suzanne Frank also mm-hmm. works on babies and kids. I don't really have my hands on babies as much anymore and toddlers. Um, but it's really incredible. You, one of the things that would come up again and again is a solely breastfed baby that can only really eat on one side, and then you put them on the other side, and they get really fussy, and they don't want to eat. Um, oftentimes mom is assuming it's a problem with her that the breast is not producing as much milk or that she's doing something wrong. But sometimes their knack will be out just from birth or from being pulled out sometimes or if they had forceps. Their Mm -hmm. knack will be out on that side. So when they lay on that side, it's really uncomfortable. They get fussy and irritable. And they're so. This is what's amazing about babies is you don't have to use a lot of force. Not at all. I mean, it's so gentle and so subtle. Even chiropractic, especially craniosacrotherapy. Yeah. Uh, and then the, that bone just slides right back where it's supposed to be. It's like Jello. It's just like <laughs> Jello. It's like like you said, silly putty. I think you said before something uh-huh. like that. It just kind of slides right back where it's supposed to be. And then they're like, wow, you're a magician. It's amazing. You're incredible. I'm like, oh, I just slid the little bone backwards. Exactly. Now they're comfortable laying on the right side or laying on the left side. And even the moms that are breastfeeding, um, let's say like, there's a lot of tension in their neck. Um, after treatment, I've, I've had a mother come back to me and was like, I didn't know breastfeeding should feel like this. Like She can feel a difference. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Uh, also, when we, we used to do craniosacral, we've been doing craniosacral therapy in the office for a long time, but um, the profound changes in latch that can sometimes, that happen after a craniosacral session, mm-hmm. um, the ability to now effectively latch and, and suck and eat, it's really, you know, for, for a time where there's a lot of learning curve going on and frustration sometimes with, you know, a little sleep deprivation and mm-hmm. trying to figure out how to care for your baby. And it's it's when it's not going well, it really all-encompassing on the mind and body of the parents. I can only so, imagine. Yeah. <laughs> I can only imagine. It must be really rewarding for you to, to do that. And then you get to continue the journey. You work on people during pregnancy. They have their baby and they come back and you're not only working on them, but also their little newborns. Yeah, I think, at least for me, your character is developed by what you love. 
And I've been very blessed and fortunate to figure out that passion very early on. I mean, six. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, My daddy actually showed me this little write-up that I did when I was about that age saying, um, when I get older, I want to be a doctor. I want others to have clean water to drink. I want everyone to have the life that I live in the U.S. (laughs) It doesn't surprise me. Yeah. I mean, your good-naturedness just seems like, you know, part of your DNA. I think so. It's in there. <laughs> yeah. Um, are there more things that you're wanting to study and learn? Are you are you so, reaching your limit for certifications, or are you just beginning to explore? I'm beginning to explore. I think that learning is very important to me, especially from where my family is from. Um, education has been very important, especially to my mother, and she was part of my inspiration. Where's of, your family from? So my dad is from Guatemala. Mm-hmm. My mom was born in Belize, and my father has some type of college education. My mother, she graduated from high school, and that was it. So when I was born, I was her first girl out of six of us. Oh, wow. She made sure. Six girls? No, no. Okay, six kids. Yeah, six kids, four boys, two girls, and I was the first girl. She made sure that education was very important and instilled in me from an early age. And I just pretty much live my life always wanting to learn more. And so for cranial sacral therapy, there is a whole plethora of things you can get into. You can get into visceral manipulation. You can go more into the fascial trains. It's just a plethora of knowledge. So you're just warming up. I'm just warming up. (laughs) And already amazing. Thank you. Um, Well, I appreciate time flies. Yeah. Thank you. I, I always learn things when I get to chat with you. I appreciate your coming here and sharing more information about what you do and your inspiring passion for what you do from such a young age. Um, and I love watching you do it. Thanks. It's, yeah. I wonder. I always wonder what it looks like on the other side. <laughs> but we also we bounce around clients sometimes. They go back and forth between mm-hmm. us, and they're, my, my patients are so happy to see you. And sometimes I'll go on vacation. I'm like, okay, Dr. Erica Smith is going to be here. You know, if you need anything, you can see her, but you're probably never going to come back to me. (laughs) Cross over to the other side. Yeah, exactly. Um, And especially because I think there's so little known about what can be done for newborns and infants and toddlers. Um, And so for sharing your expertise and knowledge about both pediatric chiropractic and craniosacral therapy. Yeah. Where can people find you online? So this is a work in progress. Um, I am developing a website. It is called Air Cairo. That's spelled A-E-R-C-H-I-R-O. I'm planning to launch it this summer where I'm going to be talking about um, cranial sacral therapy, just different monthly blogs about what I've experienced as a practitioner so that patients can kind of see what it's like on the, the provider side and not just, you know, patient testimonials. So I think it's kind of important to be transparent with my patients. Mm-hmm. You know, today I had a rough day and here's why. Not disclosing any health information, but to know the frustrations and yet the joys that we go through as providers. Oh, that's really cool. Yeah. I will tune in. Thank you. <laughs> All right. And home, thanks for listening to the Informed Pregnancy Podcast. If you like our program, share us with your friends. And this is important. Leave us some feedback in your podcast app. And for more pregnancy and parenting-related media, visit us at informedpregnancy.com.